Whosoever is delighted in solitude is either a wild beast or a god. Aristotle. Welcome back to Solitude, the companion podcast of the History Channel's epic solo adventure show, Alone. I'm Doc, and while Jukebox and I get the podcast ready for future episodes, we are sharing an episode from my other podcast that I think our listeners might really enjoy. On the John Freakin' Muir pod, I recently spoke to Pedro Hernandez of Mexico City, who is the creator of the blog and Instagram account, Bushcraftology. So sit back, listen in, and if you enjoy it, consider listening to some of my other episodes on the John Freakin' Muir Pod. We spent a lot of time on the trails in the Sierras, but there are also lots of episodes with interviews with adventure athletes, travel bloggers, authors, and adrenaline junkies. Here we go. In the school of the woods, there is no graduation date. Horace Kephart. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and Renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome to another episode of the John Freakin' Muir Pod. I am really excited about this week's episode as we take a stroll down an important side trail and explore an area that I am fascinated with, bushcraft. If you know me, you know I love to watch Alone, the solo survival show on the History Channel, and the contestants on the show are experts in bushcraft. In fact, hopefully you've been listening to my other podcast, Solitude, which I do with Jukebox and is the companion podcast to season seven of Alone. While I am no means any type of expert, in, and in fact, I'm probably less than a novice, my guest this week has some excellent bushcraft knowledge that he's going to share with us. I would like to welcome Pedro Hernandez to the pod. He is a Mexican outdoor addict, nature lover, and future forest dweller. He is seeking and acquiring knowledge on responsible bushcraft skills. He's also a gear junkie and knife enthusiast. Welcome to the pod, Pedro. Thank you there, Doug. It's an honor to, to be here, and thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I saw your account uh, on Instagram, Bushcraftology, and I had to reach out to you and, and ask if you'd be on the sh- come on the show and, and share some of your knowledge with us. You've got a great account, by the way. Thank you so much. That is it's, it's really, really, appre- I really appreciate it. It's definitely my passion and looking forward to, to continue learning on this, on this journey and craft and learn everything I can. Well, thanks for taking some time today to, to, to share that with us. Um, I want to give you a heads up. If, if you've listened to the, the podcast before, you'll know that we have a regular segment. It's called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And so what that is, is towards the end of the interview, I'm going to uh, turn to you and I'm going to ask you for your Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And this is just some kind of uh, tip or philosophy or suggestion that our listeners can learn from you uh, about, you know, for their next trip into the woods. And so really, it's not something you can plan for. Uh, this is something that's just going to come out of our conversation today. 
uh, might be an item we talk about or a thought you have during, the, during our interview here. But just keep that in mind then, and don't be surprised when I turn to you at the end of the episode to ask you, you know, what is the pro tip inside of the week? Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Okay. Hey, let's, let's start off with kind of your background and upbringing and how you got started in bushcraft. Did you, did you grow up in Mexico? I know you're in Mexico City right now. Did you grow up in Mexico? How big was your family? Did you have a, you know, a love of the outdoors? Was that a, a common family experience for you? Yeah, I, I was born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, have a, an old, I'm the youngest. I have an older sister and an older brother. And as kids, uh, we were really lucky because my, my parents on, still at the present day, they own a, a ranch about two hours from the city. It, it belonged before to my grandfather. So uh, as kids, we, we went there every single weekend. I mean, we spent Monday to, through Friday in the city and Friday afternoon to Sunday, we, we went to, to this ranch. So I really enjoyed my, my, my childhood. I was always in, in contact with nature, animals, went rabbit hunting with my dad. Uh, he gave me my, my first Swiss Army knife. We, 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 we made campfires. So, and my, also my, uh, the, the property that belonged to my grandfather then got split into my father and his brothers. So the, the, the whole family, my cousins were there all the time. So we, we went exploring, having adventures, crafting swords out of wood. You know, like being kids in nature, enjoying just being free out there. Yeah. How, how so, big yeah. was how big was the ranch? Uh, well, the my father's part is about sixty eight. I don't know. It's in Spanish is hectares, acres. I, I don't know if it's the same measurement. Okay. Hectares. Yeah, I think but, there's yeah. a I think there's a similar measurement here. I mean, there's I think it's a that's a some kind of a, <laughs> multiple of of acres. Well, yeah. One 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 hectare. One hectare, it's uh, ten thousand square meters. Okay. So All it's right. it, it's about fifty, sixty of those. Wow, that's that's good size. And what what kind of terrain was it? Was there forest or rivers or lakes? Yeah, no, no rivers nor lakes. Forest. It's uh, it's on the skirts of two vol two volcanoes. One is high, highly active. Actually, we we are covered in ashes all the time and Ooh. we we've seen it roar a couple of times it's mesmerizing i bet and, and oh, the hikes up there are incredible i mean there's there's this the the two volcanoes one of them is dormant so you can hike it's a it's a high altitude hike about five thousand meters above sea level okay wow that is high yeah did you guys ever do any overnight camping out out on the ranch yeah for sure lots of times i still do yeah, I mean, when 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 we go visit from time to time, instead of sleeping in the house, I put a put up the hammock or the tent and just sleep under the stars. Nice. And what, any kind of wildlife on the ranch? Yeah, uh, lots of hawks, rabbit. Not not much predators. Mm -hmm. Rabbits, uh, possums, hawks, lots of birds. Um, well, the forest fellows that I don't know, squirrels. No. Right. Right. But no, there's not, not many wildlife, unfortunately, around the, the city areas. Yeah. And did your, did your grandfather or father uh, raise any animals on the ranch? 
I did not know my grandfather, but yeah, my 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 father. Still, at present day, we have cows, sheep, chickens, horses, uh, orchard. We they grow. I, I mean, I've I've I I've been lucky enough to eat farm eggs and vegetables all my life. Chicken, meat. Uh, they're planning on on getting some pork, also some pigs. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So. I mentioned it before. You you've got a great Instagram account, Bushcraftology. How did how did that start? Um, how long have you had that, and what inspired you to get that going? Well, uh, as 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 I was saying, since since I was like a, a kid, I was always inspired by nature and, and in touch with it. And when you start growing up and you know making more friends, going to parties, you you like kind of forget that that feeling for a while there. You know, going to college, deciding what to do with your life. So. I got a little off track with with nature stuff for for a while, and then uh, uh, I got married. Me and my wife started uh, going, making plans, going hiking, like getting into nature, traveling to 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 nature destinations. We went to the Sequoia National Park, Big Sur, mm-hmm. like nature and camping, traveling. And uh, it was last year we went to. To, we were lucky enough to go to Scandinavia for our second year anniversary. And there is when I, I, I heard the word bushcraft for the first time in, in my life. And I was like immediately so a- attracted to it. And, you know, Scandinavia is like the cap- camping capital of the world. It's just incredible. All, we went to so, so many amazing places. I started making research. There's a lot of incredible people in on on instagram with bushcraft accounts uh camping outdoors and i mean the the, the that's another point that the stores there the outdoor stores are mm-hmm. and there's not such thing in mexico like getting some proper gear here down here is hard i mean we have a decathlon i, I don't know if you have heard about that one Mm-mm, but no. like it's like a very big uh company like uh how did like i don't know the i forgot the word but anyway they but to get like more more uh, i don't know customized gear there's mm-hmm. no no such thing down here so I, I was like flipping out over there seeing all this and i was like uh this is what i want to do for the rest of my life so yeah that that's how bushcraftology started and so me, i was let- like ah oh, sorry I was gonna say, let me get this straight. You you had your second anniversary, and you went from Mexico to Scandinavia. I just want to let you know that you know for my second anniversary, I think we went to Las Vegas, which was like a three hour drive from where we are. So I, I obviously I have been doing it all wrong. So I, props to you. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> and so they had so, a lot. They had a lot of gear and a lot of stores in Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah, I was really, really amazed and. The the thing that caught my attention a lot was the I don't know if you if you heard about this before but in Sweden Norway and I think uh, I don't know if in Iceland it also it applies also to Iceland but uh, Norway and Sweden and Finland they have this thing called uh, the freedom to roam so you are allowed to camp anywhere even if it's private property you have to like if there's a house you have I I read about it you have to be like 
100 yards or meters from that house. Uh But practically, you can camp anywhere you like. Wow, I love that. Freedom to roam. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was was like, wow. I mean, this is Disneyland for me. (laughs) (laughs) So you said Scandinavia. So did you travel to each of those countries? Because Scandinavia is not a country. It's it's a it's a group of countries. You went you went to each of those? We went to Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Iceland. Wow, what a trip. We, how how, how long was that trip? It was one about a month. Very nice. Yeah. And of, of those four countries, what was your favorite? Uh, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to say because uh, it was, for example, Sweden, Denmark, and Norway. It was more like city mm-hmm. tourism. In Sweden, we, we went to, to a day hike uh, on the art, outskirts of Stockholm and uh, but yeah, we, we only went to Stockholm, uh, Copenhagen and Oslo. Mm-hmm. And then Iceland was, was the, the, the good stuff, the, the nature stuff. So if, if, if you ask me from that point of view, I, I would say Iceland was the best thing. But I, my dream is to explore northern Norway and, and going to Svalbard. So mm-hmm. I think Norway is, for me, is my, my perfect destination. Okay. And I know you've also been to Mongolia and I'm going to save this for a little bit later in the episode. I was going to ask you to share, share with us your stories and your trips to both Mongolia and Iceland. So let's hang on to that and we'll get back to that a little bit later. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Now as your, has your wife, uh, did she know this about you before she got married to you? Or is she now saying, you know, what, what have I gotten myself uh, into here with, with Pedro and this, this bushcraft and camping and all this stuff? No, we, we kind of grew into it together. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, and it, it, it's a fun story because we, we actually met in, at a party on, on high school. And then we never saw each other again till the univer- college, university. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, we had like this meetup in university. And we, uh, since there, we started going out and, and then we just got married. And then it was like... A, I think we both evolved into now. We started. We 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 both always love to travel, and then we like to. I mean, we most of the we we love to 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 save the, all the money. With we are we save a lot for 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 us to be able to make these these trips, mm-hmm. and also not having kids really helps. <laughs> right, right. It's funny how when the kids come along, the money disappears completely. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So, yeah, we, we, Go ahead. Uh, yeah. No, no, Go sorry. Ahead. I was just saying that, yeah, we both grew, grew, grew into, it, into it together and we were both really outdoor nature passionate. That's fantastic. So we, we've, we've thrown out the word quite a few times here, bushcraft, but uh, in case some of our listeners don't know exactly what bushcraft is, how would, how would you define or explain bushcraft? Well, ju- uh, really simple uh, definition would be a, uh, for me, a set of skills to make, well, firstly, to, to be able to survive in the wild, in the wilderness. And if you're doing it for recreational purposes, uh, a set of skills that can make your experience more comfortable and also fun. Yeah. So this, this would be great knowledge for our listeners who are involved in backpacking and camping. Uh, this would be this would be great information for them because they can enhance their experiences out in the wild. And you know, heaven forbid, if something goes wrong out there, I mean, you've got the skills to kind of survive on your own for a while and you make it out. Yeah, definitely. Even if it's like a quick two-hour, three-hour hike, something can happen. You can get stuck, and you have to make an overnighter there, and you don't know how to make a fire or something. And that, that I think that always it's those skills are 
in my opinion, basic to, to learn in, in life. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to do a, a shameless plug here for my other podcast, Solitude, which is the companion podcast to the History Channel's uh, great epic adventure show, uh, Alone. And so uh, if you haven't listened to that, if you haven't watched the show alone, I, I highly suggest you, you, you tune in and listen. Uh, you watch the show and then you also tune in for the, the, uh, the episodes from Solitude. Jukebox and I kind of take apart each episode and, and just do our predictions and our analysis of, of the show. But I think it's a good frame of reference for today's episode that uh, I want Pedro to kind of take us through some skills that if I were going to go on the show alone in which they drop you out in the middle of nowhere with nine other contestants uh, isolated from each other. And whoever stays out the longest wins the, wins the grand prize. You know, what kinds of skills would I need to know or would, would Jukebox need to know to have any kind of um, chance at, at surviving any length of time out there? So uh, bushcraft refers to an overall set of skills, but you, know, you, you can actually break it down into specific skills that, that we, should, we should be able to, to know. Yeah. So uh, for me, uh, as as I was saying before, uh, I'm I'm into this over uh, almost about a year now. So the, what I'm uh, I'm going to share is just my experience and, and what what I've learned, read, and heard so far. So the 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 main the first point I want to say is that the the five C's of of bushcraft that are cover cutting tools, cordage, container, and combustion. So for, to explain each one of cover is some kind of shelter. It can be a tarp, a tent, a hammock, mm -hmm. cutting tools, a knife, an axe, a saw, combustion, how, how to uh, start a fire, how to, the, the different uh, methods to, to start a fire. Uh, then uh, container, some, some, any, any type of container, Stainless steel is the, the, the way to go to boil water or cook. Mm -hmm. And then it, uh, those were five, no? Cutting tools? Cutting tools, the axe, saw, or knife. Mm -hmm. Okay. And are you, a, are you a tent guy, a tarp guy, or what, what's your preferred method of cover? I, I, well, for me, it's, it, it, the, most of the times we go on a tent because we, we, have, we always bring our dog with us. And uh, well, my also my wife and me, and uh, a hammock. I recently got a got a hammock. I have never tried one before, and I was really really impressed with hammock. Mm -hmm. They're super comfortable. It has this like I don't know. It has some type of patented form. It's so comfortable, and and the to set up is just really 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 simple. But uh, now when when I I, I I get out of the city. I, I'm looking forward to to step up the game of of tarps and and building my own shelters with with all the natural resources. Mm -hmm. so I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. So which which of the five C's should we start with? Uh, cutting tools. Okay. Okay. So the basic cutting tools uh, for uh, bushcraft are uh, an axe, a knife, and a saw. Uh, for the well. Sorry, the um, do you want me to go like in full specifics or just like a? Yeah, I mean maybe what uh, why it's important to if you if you're out there why it's important to have a, an axe, a knife, or a saw. But what? Well, there is this this other quote I really like. Uh, this one is from from Morris Kochanski. He's uh, considered the the father of bushcraft. 
and it says the knife is a balance point for survival in the bush without it you have to stay on the move with it you create the opportunity to rest okay and what does he what does he mean by that how, do, how can you uh, use the knife to uh, to be able to rest i mean with a knife you can build almost anything from scratch mm-hmm. you can limb a tree uh, make notches to con- to build a shelter uh, uh, use a rock to to light a fire with a, it has to be carbon steel mm-hmm. to get the spark and light a fire uh, you can process wood you can do it almost anything with a knife and i know that you know we're talking about cutting tools and you've listed three the axe the knife and the saw but there i mean you could spend a lot of time uh, talking about each one of those tools and what they can be used for and how you can improve your skills in those areas. I mean, I, uh, the saw, I, I normally, the saw is, is, is fantastic when it comes to building. You can get those straight cuts. You can cut the wood in different sizes and it's very fast. You know, it, it allows you to be more versatile when, when processing wood and our branches to, to, to build because you have that straight cut that you don't have with an axe or a knife. Mm-hmm. Well, with a knife you have, but you, 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 you need to baton and sometimes it, it can get a little more trickier. But the saw just, fast, in my opinion, just facilitates the, the processing wood and for, for, for building or constructing shelters. Yeah, when def- it comes to, sorry, Go ahead. when it comes to the axe, uh, the axe is, uh, uh, I use I use the axe for 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 processing firewood more than processing wood for for constructing or or, or crafting a tripod for example. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the axe helps you with processing anything you like for for firewood. And well, the knife you the knife so there's there's this uh, oh, sorry forgot the word there's this okay. like like uh, not. I want to say comparison, but some people say the axe is better. Some people say a knife mm-hmm. is better. Some people prefer knives. Some people prefer axes. I myself prefer a, a knife. It gives you more, more, a lot more versatile with versatility with uh, more precise and, and smaller tasks. For example, carving a fish hook or uh, making, uh, I don't know, a, a spoon or a fork to to eat something or mm-hmm. to process some animal that you can never carve a, a fish hook with an axe. It, it would require a tremendous skill. Yeah, you probably lose a couple of fingers too. Exactly. So <laughs> if, if you ask me uh, uh, what, 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 what would I take into the bush, it will be a, a bushcraft knife for sure, hands down. Okay. And you know what? Take us through. I mean, what is a bushcraft knife? What, what is the ideal knife to take into, into the, uh, the backcountry for the purposes of bushcraft? Is it a, you know, a Swiss army knife? Is it a, is it a fixed blade knife, a locking blade knife? You know, describe it for us. It, it definitely has to be a fixed blade knife to withstand a uh, bad toning. It has to have a preferably carbon steel so you can get sparks out of the out of the steel, even in case you wanna wanna start a fire, uh, 90 degree spine, uh, sharp spine to scrape a ferro rod or to scrape uh, fat wood or or cedar bark to use as tinder, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, well, it 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 really comes to what, what you feel comfortable with, in my opinion. Uh, the, 
there's a lot of 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 grind types in knives. There's the, the the Scandinavian grind, the hollow grind, the convex grind, the full flat grind. There are nowadays there are a mix of 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 them. For example, a convex and Scandinavian grind is a Scandivex. So it it really comes down to what 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 you feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I believe. Okay. I, I really I really like a convex and Scandinavian grind and. The Scandi grind is, a, is by far the, the most popular one on bushcraft knives. Okay. But yeah. Before I ask my next question, I want to I wanna let our listeners know that, that I'm going to get a list of, you know, what are the ideal bushcraft instruments that Pedro recommends. And we'll, we'll post that list and pictures on our social media so people can understand exactly what we're talking about. So as you're listening to this, I'll have already posted that information. So feel free to, to pull up the John Freakin' Muirpod Instagram account and look at these items that, that Pedro is describing. Now, you mentioned the, the term battening. What, what is battening? Battening uh, is uh, it's a way to process wood with a knife. So you you take the, the, the piece of wood and you, you put the knife on top and then with another with another piece of wood you start ha- hammering down the knife so you can split up the wood so it's almost that, like that using the knife it's almost like using the knife as a chisel but you're not you don't do oh. the point into the wood you're doing the the long portion of the blade into the wood exactly the, the long portion almost like a knife with a like an axe but you use another log to to strike down to baton down the 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 whole the entire blade and split up the log so in effect, you have now just been able to use your knife also as an axe with, with exactly. an additional piece of wood. Got it. Exactly. And that's why you would choose a knife because you can use it like an axe and you can also use it like a knife, but you can't, you can't use a, an axe like a knife. Yeah, exactly. And okay. there's, this, this, there's this other technique of, of limbing a tree, for example. You, you, you stuck a knife with a, with, now with a point side instead of the, of the, of the whole uh, blade. Mm-hmm. And you you hammer down, and then you hammer side to like rotate the knife on on the like to make a ring around the 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 tree you're trying to limb and achieve it mm-hmm. with, with that way. I don't know if I made myself clear. So you are using the the point of the knife into the tree, and then uh, so you bang. stuck the knife. You, st- yeah. you stuck the knife like a stake into the tree, and then mm-hmm. bang sideways to to rotate the knife around the 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 tree you're trying to to cut down. Okay, and so that's that's another way to 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 cut down a tree, then basically. Yeah, and it has to be like a, I don't know, a little bar, bit more of a wrist sized tree. I mean, you it, take a it long time a, on a. It would take a yeah. long time on a sequoia. Yeah, nah, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, and I mean, how about the the, the, the blade of the knife has to go through to to, cut, to be able to cut it. Got it. Understood. Uh, anything else on knives? No, I think that that, that that's about it. Okay. How about, how about an axe? I mean, what, what is the size of the axe and what are you looking for in a, in a good bushcraft axe? The size is, 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 is very important when it comes to axe before, because of weight and, and portability. You know, you, you can't bring a splitting log axe into a hike. It would just tire the heck out of you. So I, 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 I only have one, one axe and I use a hatchet. It's a hatchet or a campax. It's about you know twenty inches long, mm-hmm. maybe, and so it's you can strap it to the backpack and you won't even know it's there. And yeah, it, it, I I I always take the the my three cutting tools, saw, axe, and knife. So. 
Yeah. And so what, what do you, uh, so we talked about ways that you can use a knife as an ax. Are there, are there certain things that an ax can only do and, and a knife can't replicate that? Well, cut down larger trees. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then how about a, how about a saw? What kind of saw and are we talking uh, about? We... I, I, I think an ax at, at, uh, at certain point, I don't know if you maybe if you maybe stuck in the wilderness for long periods of time, a knife can be, can you can break it or or chip the the blade the mm-hmm. the grind and maybe an axe is more more sturdy and more rugged on the long haul right yeah if you put all your if you put all your reliance on one of those three and that ends up uh, becoming damaged or breaking then you're you're kind of you're kind of stuck so yeah the yeah, I, exactly. you can see where the axe would be more durable yeah now how about how about the saw are we talking about a bow saw a folding saw uh, uh, a carpenter saw what kind of saw i i i, I the, my favorite saws are the box saws i don't know if you if you uh, sorry I don't, I don't let me just check the i don't know if i'm saying see me, box saws have you heard about those box saw yeah like b-u-c-k oh buck saw yeah buck saw so what, a, d- describe that for us. What is a buck saw? Yeah, a buck saw is, is, is comp- it's, uh, you, you can actually make one by yourself. It's, it's, it's one of the bushcraft tools you can make by yourself. And it's comprised of, uh, it, you have to, two same, uh, same length pieces of wood and one, uh, one piece of wood across. And then you have to put the, the saw on the bottom and tighten it with a paracord. So okay. that the both the the the, the side of, I'm not, sorry it's a bit hard to explain in English. <laughs> so it's uh, three pieces of wood and a blade, and you're using paracord to kind of uh, help shape the the wood. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I, I, I'll 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 add one to the to the list of things where you are you okay. are going. And what why why is that your favorite saw? What can you do with that saw? Well, first of all, it's you can. Uh, you can put it all apart so it, it the portability becomes really easy okay or you can just uh, travel with a with a blade with a serrated blade and make one at any given time got it you just need paracord and the, and the blade mm-hmm. and how long so, is how long is the the ideal blade the serrated blade about 20 inches 20 inches okay yeah and uh well, I, I I've been meaning to get one or or make one. I haven't really had the time, but now I use a folding saw mm-hmm. from it's a brand called Silky Saw it's from Japan, and they are just incredible. I mean, they cut like butter. Yeah, and it's super light, super easy to carry, super portable. It's those for me for me and a lot of people. I agree with me. There are the best folding saws out there. Okay, and, and what, what kind of price are we talking about? How much? How much is this? this saw Super cost? cheap. Really? They're about twenty, thirty bucks. Wow, that sounds like a good investment. And the the all the blades are replaceable. You can. There are different tooth angles and tooth measurements, and there's a, a bunch of stuff you can you can play with there. And what so, was yes. what was the the manufacturer's name again? Silky saw. Silky, silky saw. Okay. From Japan. It's a folding knife, folding saw. So not a folding knife. Saw, folding saw. Yeah. Folding saw. Those are, and they come in. They have the pocket boy, the gun boy, lots of sizes. There's a huge one called the katana. 
They're awesome. Okay. So thirty dollars for the for the saw. How much for the for the ideal knife? Bushcraft knife. For the ideal knife, uh, I would recommend the Mora Mora Kniv. Mm-hmm. It's a Swedish Swedish brand, and they're also they they are the best bushcraft knives and outdoor knives on the market uh, when it comes to to budget and 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 uh, quality. And, and how much? How much? They're about uh, 30, 40 USD. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've done some searches recently and the knives I've come across are, you know, they're $120, $150. Are those custom or? Uh, No, no, they're not custom. No, they are expensive. Yeah. Now I know what to look for. This is great. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll send them over also to the list of, of gear. Okay, and how about the axe, the the hatchet? What are you looking at? How much money are you looking at for for a good bushcraft hatchet? That's the uh, the axe is that I think it's the the most expensive of of the three because you 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 have to buy a a good a good quality so that you won't break the handle or it would come off the head would come off easily. Mm -hmm. So I would go with again a Swedish hatchet. There's a couple of brands, Hultsbrook or Gransfors Brook, mm-hmm. and they will go at about 120, 130 okay. US dollars. Yeah. But that's a, a good investment. A super good investment. Yeah, for life. Yes, right. I, I can see that you're, you're, you're partial from your, your trip to Scandinavia. They've got you hooked. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite knife is not from Scandinavia, though. Right. It's actually, I'm between. Uh, Germany and the U.S. I've known a lot of awesome makers in the knife makers in the U.S. That well, once you enter the the custom knife world, there's no going back. <laughs> That's right. I did say that you're a knife enthusiast. This is your your specialty area. Yeah, I mean, not my. I'm not a special. I'm not that uh, experienced. But yeah, I'm, I, it's it's definitely one of the things I like to learn more about. Oh, fantastic. You'll have to give me some, some pictures and some different options for, for knives, not just the, not just the Swedish one, but also the, the German and the American. And we'll give, we'll give our listeners some options. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Okay. So we have talked about uh, knife craft, saw craft, ax craft, and we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about firecraft. Uh, which is one of the C's combustion. We're going to talk about cordage and bindcraft. And we're going to talk about shelters, uh, also known as uh, coverage, another, another one of the C's. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Mike Chambers, host of Beat Monday on Outside TV, and you're listening to the John Frickin' Muir podcast. And welcome back talking with Pedro from Bushcraftology. And we've uh, just talked about some different bushcraft skills related to uh, axes, knives, and saws. And we're going to get to a, another C here in combustion. Uh, we talked about earlier having the right knife uh, in your arsenal that you can use to also start fires. And so let, let's, let's talk about if, if I'm out there on a loan and I'm in my camp and it's, uh, it's about uh, 15 degrees out, uh, and it's getting dark, I need a fire. How am I going to start a fire? Well, uh, there's a lot of ways to start a fire. I think firecraft is the, well, not just me, but a, a lot of people think it's the most important skill there is to know about bushcraft. 
and, and I think and 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 any survival situation, especially in co- in the cold weather, mm-hmm. you're practically practically dead if you can't start a fire. So to get into this, uh, we can start by uh, mentioning some fire making methods. The ones I use are the the ones I use the most are the ferro rod and the flint and steel kit. Okay. And the well matches and a lighter. Now when we are lazy. <laughs> always good to have a lighter in your pocket yep always good yeah <laughs> i i have the i have the my fire kit is i have always a lighter some matches a fair rod and, and the flint and steel kit Those so just never- so just because you're a bushcrafter doesn't mean you have to be too proud to use matches or a lighter i mean that's just common sense bring bring a lighter with you yeah definitely okay i mean there there's there's specifics. For example, the flint and steel steel kit is weatherproof, so you can start that one when even if it's pouring rain. Mm-hmm. Whereas matches or a lighter, you're practically limited to that. Yeah, and I also heard I learned on alone this season that if uh, the weather is below, if the temperature is below a certain degree, that lighters won't work. Yeah, definitely. You have to keep it inside your sleeping or. Uh, there are these pouches they sell yeah. like so while, for, for the cell phone as well to, right. to keep them from freezing. So while you're not too proud to bring matches or a lighter, there, there are certainly certain conditions that would prevent you from being able to use. And so it'd be, it's good to have this knowledge of how to make a fire without the. Yeah. And especially the, for example, the, I, I, I'm actually pretty new in the flint and steel. I got my kit from Malone Knives. He's a great knife maker who also I, I own a couple of knives from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really impressed when I achieved the, the fire with, with it because it's a really primitive skill, you know, from the Iron Age. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's super fun to use. And, and with, the, with the invention of the, of the match, people stopped using that, that technique. But it really feels, uh, the, the feeling is amazing when you, when you achieve that, that fire from spark. And then you put it into a bird nest of cedar bark and you blow on it, you blow on it until you achieve that, that, that flame. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just a great feeling. Yeah. So flint and steel and a ferro rod. I mean, some of our listeners may get those confused or think they're the same thing, but they're very different, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, uh, flint and steel is, is comprised of uh, any, I mean, Nowadays, they, they, they make these amazing shapes with handle when you can grab it and it's really comfortable. But I mean, you, can, you, you only need a knife or a piece of steel and a, and a, and a flint and that's it. And, and nowadays, the, the, the flint and steel kits, they, they come with char cloth. For those who don't know what char cloth is, it's, uh, you can do it very easy. You put a, a, an, or a cotton fabric or you can use... Uh, different types of fabric and you put it into a tin into a metal tin you you punch a hole on 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 the lid and then you throw it into the fire so you the, the material inside gets charred and then it takes just a spark to to light it up so that that's the like the best uh, uh, like the best team with a with a, with a flint and steel so by charring the cloth in the tin and then saving that for later, then you have, when you make your fire that night, uh, you have some material that, that, that will catch fire very quickly from the spark. Yeah, super quickly. Hmm. So you, you can always keep, a, I mean, you can, you only need like a, a two, a one inch by one inch 
piece of char cloth to start a fire. So you can do a lot of it and then just keep it in your fire kit for any occasion and it works really great. And uh, ferro rod, it, it's uh, the it's a stick it's a metal stick that you scrape with with a with a with a you need a, a a sharp a sharp spine on a knife to scrape it and then ignite the sparks yeah and you were talking about earlier having a knife with a, a 90 degree uh backing is that so that you can use that that square edge on the ferro rod exactly and and so you won't damage the 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 sharp part the the yeah, the grind. The blade. The blade, yeah. Right. Sorry. And so it, there's more to it, though, than just getting a spark. I mean, you have to prepare some other materials, if not the, the, the char cloth, uh, yeah. other types of natural materials you can use out in the wild to help you that, build that fire. That is the tricky part. And then you have the, the weather conditions in game. So you have to start from small to big you have to to start with uh i i always use fat wood well not always but my go-tos are fat wood and cedar bark so you, you what i what you do is you scrape uh, a, a a piece of fire of fat wood with a with a again with a 90 degree sharp spine of your knife and then you strike the 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 ferro rod on top of the of those scrapes and and you get the the, the ember the flames and then you have to start adding uh, really really thin uh, sticks or pine needles uh, here mm -hmm. in mexico we, we we use a lot of we our, our forests are all made of uh, are all pine trees so mm -hmm. the the beddings are covered in pine needles so they work great as as tinder and you have to start small so you have you start with with really thin sticks or pine needles and then move up to pencil pencil size sticks and then uh, going up going up until you you just fill with with big logs and that's that is uh, really in my experience really critical an important point because uh, it's if 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 everything is damp or 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 windy or the weather plays against you you have to be, be preparing in advance and, and make your way. It's it's a process, not just pile up the whole wood and expect it to to light up. Right, right. If you are if you're if you're trying to get sparks onto a big log, that's not going to do you a whole lot of good. You have to yeah, exactly. start small. For, for example, going back to to alone in in the in the season, I I watched mm -hmm. uh, one of the contestants lost uh, his ferro rod on on the first day, so he 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 had to tap out. I mean, I, 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 I'm not judging or anything, but it will be, it's nice to maybe you can build yourself a bow drill uh, kit and, and use and make fire by friction fire. But again, everything is damp and you, you don't know actually the, the situation until you're put in. So yeah. it, 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 it's, always, it's always good to have backup when it comes, comes to yeah. fire. Yeah. So, was it? Did you say that was season one of Alone, or was that episode one of this season? Because that happened this season. On you know, season seven. I think it was episode one. Poor guy lost his ferro rod and had to tap out. It, I had. I don't remember the, the season, it, but yeah, it it was in 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 Vancouver Island. Oh, it was Vancouver. Yeah, that that was a different difference. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, it's, it's so funny it happened the same thing. Well, you mentioned that you you thought that firecraft and a lot of experts say that firecraft is probably the most important skill in bushcraft. And just from your your brief story there about the poor guy on Vancouver Island, and then that the guy up in uh, uh, in the Arctic Circle this season, they lost their ferro rods and said, "I can't survive out here without fire." And so yeah. they had to go. They had to go home. So that just kind of proves your point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as I, and I, I will say it again, I, I, you can't never know until you're put in, in, into the situation. But if you have a knife, you can craft a bow drill set easily and make yourself a fire with, with a friction technique. Now, have you ever done that? No, I'm, I'm actually working on that seems working like on, it. That seems like a lot. Set. That seems like a lot of work. I've seen people on different shows try and and make fire and actually make fire with a bow drill kit, but that looks like a lot of calories you're expending. Yeah. And I I swear I have, I've met a lot of friends through, through the Instagram account and they make it look so easy. They just, ah, I'm here bow drilling and just like that. Awesome. Yeah. There, there's also a, a thing called fire, fire roll. You, you, you can use a bunch of things. You can use ute or uh, leaves. And what you do is uh, you have to, if you use leaves, you have to process and take all of the fibers as, as you were in a, in a piece of ute. And then you make like a, a sheet with those fibers. And then inside you put ash from, it could be practically ash from anything. And then you roll it up and then you place the roll between two boards and then just just make friction between the two boards and then just the rolls the roll fires up i, I i've been really to try that one as well yeah it's, it's w- awesome what is that method called again fire roll fire roll r-o-l-l yeah, exactly fire roll okay i i have never heard of that before i'm gonna look, i'm gonna watch a, a youtube video on that later tonight yeah it's a, i i can send you some links also as well Okay. So what, what is the, the shortest amount of time that has taken you to make a fire without a match or a lighter? The shortest amount of time, mm-hmm. about five minutes. Oh, that's, that's pretty quick. Yeah. But I've also struggled a lot. Of, I mean, there are, there are a lot of, of, of tips and, and tricks. I mean, I, I, in my fire kit, I always carry fat wood. So I always have dry tinder available and that, that makes the job pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But for example, if you if you don't have your your fire kit prepared or you're stuck with nothing, uh, uh, there's this this I don't know if you heard about feather sticks. No. You, you take a branch. Uh, if if it's if if it's damp, you have to 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 slice the the wood until you get to a certain point that at the center is is dry, and you make like just you, you slice with a knife it's called feather sticks because you, you have you have to create a fine sh- a feather with fine shavings okay of that of that piece of branch and that would that with that wood will light up with a with a fair rod spark easily okay so you've got to carve through the layers of the wet wood to get to the dry wood and then once you get to the dry wood then you have to do these thin shavings exactly got it there, there are a lot of ways to do it so mm-hmm. the, but you can you can if you're if you have no experience or practice with feather sticks you can just slice the fine shavings and then pile them together and that will work too and there's a a really quick tip if you if you there's a lot of of pencil size sticks all all over the the forest bedding 
and just a quick tip is to break them and if they make the the click sound they're pretty dry if, if they just bend they won't work because they're damp good tip so yeah good tip hey we're gonna have to remember to include some pictures of your uh fire kit we yeah, want to see sure. we, we want to see what's in your fire kit uh you know the the fad wood the the uh char cloth cedar bark. Whatever, whatever the cedar bark whatever else you might have that that's that sounds great the the best the best fire starter by most preferred for by by many is birch bark but we we I've, I've never tried it because we we don't have birch down here in, in mexico there not, not a, a lot of birch yeah but yeah. that's the the bark from birch is that the number one uh, natural resource for fire starting okay it All has right. a, it has a lot of oils in the in the bark so it, it would catch a spark just like that okay birch bark all right. Hey, should we move on to uh, another another type of craft? Should we talk about cordage or coverage? Which one do you want to go to next? Uh, coverage, if you like. Okay, coverage. So this is this is about shelter. What what uh, what, what kinds of shelters are you partial to? Which ones do you like to use? Well, uh, as uh, here in 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 as I was telling, was telling you uh, earlier, there's well, I'm, I'm I may be getting to a, a different. Uh, made me get out, out of the way for a bit here but it, in mexico there it's 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 very challenging when it comes when when going out when it comes to insecurity so you have to really plan ahead and 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 really know the area and, and be be aware of the news before you you go there unfortunately we have a lot of violence and robberies and assaults and kidnapping and you heard you heard you hear in the news all the time that hikers get mugged mm. hikers get beat hikers get uh, kidnapped so uh, when 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 using a tarp you're practically very exposed to to do anything out there you know i mean mm-hmm. up, up in canada you may be exposed to wildlife and bears and in the u.s as well wolves right but here, here in mexico it's, it, it's not more the, the wildlife is not that 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 concern so uh we 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 always we always use a tent or, or or the hammock as I as I was telling you earlier and because but we always go with with our dog so it, it's much easier to 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 use a tent mm-hmm. but uh, yeah I, I've been, I've been I've been meaning to to get more into the the the, the shelter building and and the tarp configurations. Mm-hmm. It, they they seem re- really fun. Yeah, I, and, I have... and, and pr- pretty much you can if you have a, a tarp, you can build anything. Yeah, I've really gotten into uh, different tarp pitches. I have, I've got a couple of tarps, and I've I've watched this one YouTube account. His name is it's Papa Hiker. Papa Hiker. Papa Hiker. And I think he's he's in one of the Scandinavian countries. I, I think it might be uh, Finland, gonna... Finland or Sweden. And he he has some great videos on different tarp pitches, and so my family, for him. yeah, my family when they come down on a Saturday morning and find me in front of the TV watching Papa Hiker and his his tarp pitches, they think I'm a little bit crazy. But I really enjoy uh, learning about how how to arrange those pitches differently. And I've I've used uh, a few of them on my latest hikes, and they've been they've been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, they definitely. I, I mean, I I've used the uh, the A frame and the and the lean to tarp mm-hmm. setups, and and they worked pre- really really amazing. Yeah, there's one in particular I like. It's my go to now. It's called the asymmetrical Holden. I've I've never heard of that one yeah. before. 
Yeah, you have to take a look at that asymmetrical. So what if you're out in the in the wilderness and you you've got your axe and your your knife and your saw and your ferro stick, but you don't have a, a tent or a tarp? How do you go about making a, a shelter? What's what's the easiest or the quickest um, to do? The quickest the quickest will, will be a, a, a lean to or an A frame, mm-hmm. and you can easily build it with moss or with pine needles. You can use those as, 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 well, you can use the pine needles as bedding for a bed okay. to, li- to lie down and to, to, so that you won't get the, the cold from the, from the ground floor. Mm-hmm. And on top, you can use, a, you can use cedar branches or, or pine branches and, and put, a, put some moss on top so that the, the water won't, won't get you. Okay. And what, what size branches ideally are you looking for, for your A-frame or your lean-to? Uh, wrist size branches and well, the, the size, just whatever you, 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 you desire to build. If you, when you're going for a two-person shelter or one-person shelter, mm-hmm. you just, you, you decide that there. But ideally the, the branches for, for, the, for the frame and for the, for the roof are wrist size. Okay, and a lean-to. What do you what are you leaning it against? What does that look like? Uh, the lean-to you can build uh, like a log wall, and then use the 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 tarp to so that it leans the roof leans to like the how do you say the it it has to make the like uh, like sorry. an angle. <laughs> yeah, like an angle. Okay, and what what. How do you build the log wall? What is that? What is that? How? What is that process? How, what does that look like? Uh, you can put the two. You just take two. Two. Well, you need four. First, you need four. Uh, four branches of the same size. Okay. You stick them together to on the floor, leaving a a, a space to put the 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 branches in between, and then you get. A, Got a it. So so four four wrist size branches driven into the ground. With a with a gap between them, and in that gap, you 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 put um, yeah, you you fill other it with branches, the, other branches, yeah. Got it. It's pretty simple, actually. Have have you have you made that before? Yeah, yeah. We, you you can do it in in an, if you have a saw, you just need to. It's really really easy and fast to get those branches on the same size. Okay, so you build your wall, and then you attach your tarp to the to the top of it and angle it, and there you have your lean to. Exactly. Got it. And if you don't have a tarp, you would just get other branches to form that that angle. Yeah. And you yeah, you just make the roof with other branches and use uh, the the leaves of cedar, pines, or or moss. And then the A frame you you mentioned. How do, how would you go about making an A frame uh, without a tarp? You just have just have your your knife or your saw, your axe. How does that work? You have to make us uh, two two uh, not tripods, but I don't know if you had to say with, with two, like two, two, two sticks leaning on each other, two sticks leaning on each other on the front and on the back. Okay. And then you cross a, a, a bar on top mm-hmm. so that gives support. And then you just uh, start be- putting uh, leaning branches on the sides and then cover it with the same pine needles, moss or, or the, the leaves. Right. And it seems to me the way you describe that with, with the two branches coming together at an angle, it would be very helpful to have some kind of cordage to, to fasten those. Exactly. Paracord is uh, the, the easiest. Uh, you, I, I always carry a paracord in my kit as well. 
And if not, you, you have to make your natural cordage to bind those together. Okay. So is this a good time to transition into bindcraft and cordage? How do you, how do you make natural cordage? Well, there's a, there's a lot of ways to, to make uh, natural cordage. You can use, uh, I've been experimenting lately with pampagrass leaves. You can use yucca leaves and practically any, any, any bark or any leaf that, that you can split up the, the fibers. It, it would work really good as, 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 as natural cordage. And so, I mean, what do you, what do you do with that bark or, or that fiber? How do you, you kind of just peel it away and you, you have the, the, I mean, there's a lot of techniques and processes you, you, you can learn. Uh, I've, I've been, I've been looking at the, for example, with, with yucca leaves, you have to like bang the leaf. It's, it's, it's a really long process. Actually, mm-hmm. you have to bang the leaf with the back of your knife or or in, or something that you can hit it with and then start uh, getting the fibers apart one by one till you have a, a lot you can you can make the, the the binding with right and once once you have the fibers separated like that then do you have to to combine them or weave them or how does how do you i i, I weave them like a braid literally okay okay so you're, there are, you're... I, 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 there are a lot of, 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 of ways to do it. I, I'm, I'm only familiar at the moment with, with, the, with the braiding okay. technique. You know, as... it, 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 uh, sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. Finish. No, I was, uh, I made the other day the, some with pampagrass and with the, with the braiding technique and it, it, it could hold the shelter perfectly. You know, as, as we talk about these different skills, this, these bushcraft skills, I am reminded by a movie that ordinarily you wouldn't think, wow, this is a, a, a good example of bushcraft. This is a bushcraft movie, but it is the, uh, the, Tom, Hanks, the Tom Hanks movie where he is, uh, 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 his plane crashes, cast away. I mean, all of these things you're talking yeah. about, the fire, the cordage, um, the you know, battening, it, it's all included in, in his his section of the story where he's on the island and trying to survive yeah definitely it's each of those are included so very it's a nice very, movie very good example yeah yeah okay hey we're gonna take another quick break and we when we come back i'm gonna surprise pedro with a, a couple of uh, uh surprise questions here i'm gonna put them on the spot and and uh, ask him about some some things here and we also want to hear about your trips to mongolia and iceland so stay tuned we'll be right back after Hello, I'm Pedro Hernandez from Mexico, and when I'm not doing bushcraftology, I'm listening to the John Freaking Muir podcast. And we are back. Before I get into my surprise questions for Pedro, we did forget one of the five C's. We forgot containers. So tell us about containers. What, what kind of containers do you need uh, out in the bush which, which are the most useful and which ones can you make or can you? Well, a, a stainless steel container is a, by far the most practical and easiest and best way to go uh, because you practically need it to boil water. This is the, 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 the essential part of the container. If you're out there and you don't have any more water left or anything to eat, you have to be able to boil water 
or else you, you, you can get very sick. So, I mean, and you can, you can make a lot of containers uh, out of bark and out of natural resources, but you can't boil water on those. So the, the, this, this, uh, uh, part of the, of, of, of the bushka, I think you, the best way to go is to always bring your container. Okay. And I think you had said steel previously, right? A steel container. Stainless steel. Yeah. Stainless steel. Is that, is that better than say like titanium? I mean, titanium is also good, but I think stainless steel is very more rugged than okay. titanium is much more light. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming from a backpacker's perspective and you know, we're always looking to cut the, cut the pack weights. Yeah. We're looking for the, the lighter uh, materials to carry, but you're right. You know, if you're out, if you're out in the, in the, in the woods back there for an extended period of time, you, you certainly want to have durable materials with you. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. And are there I any, have, I, I have several ahead. pieces of gear of titanium and I have a titanium stove, you know, these hobo stoves for sticks. Uh-huh. Yep. And it's awesome. It takes no space at all in the pack and weights, nothing. I, I'm also a huge fan of, of titanium, but yeah, for, for a container, stainless steel is, is always my, my go-to. Got it. Got it. And now are there any, any tricks or tips about um, suspending the pot that's the steel pot over the fire yeah you can make a tripod really easy with a piece of paracord or again some natural cordage you can make and three branches of the same size or you can do a pot hook with a simple straight notch and well you can do a a a line of notches on on a branch sorry and then so you can adjust the height of the pot for for whatever you're cooking okay. so you just need to to know these two basic notches a, a straight notch and the, and the pot hook yeah i know exactly what you're talking about because i got a book for my birthday bushcraft 101 and uh, the uh, david canterbury one that's right that's right and so they've got a lot of it, great it's a great book in there. It, it, it was my 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 the first book i, I read about bushcraft oh good I'm, I'm on the right path then yeah definitely very good so i know exactly what you're I talking about but right here that's it. That's it. That's the one. So I know exactly what you're talking about, but I think we're going to need to include probably a couple of Instagram posts with, you know, 10 pictures each on all of these things we're talking about just to illustrate for our, our listeners um, exactly yeah, sure. what, what we're discussing. So yeah, those Especially are the things I, I, I can't, sometimes I can't explain myself very clearly. Well, you're going, you're going back and forth from uh, Spanish and English in your mind. And sometimes uh, yeah. you just can't find the right word. Yeah. Yep. Not a problem. So um, we've covered the five C's. Um, what else? Okay, so you've, you've got these skills down. You've got the right equipment with you and you have the right resources. What types of things can you use your skills to build that might be helpful around camp? Uh, well, uh, uh, this, this is uh, excluding the, the, the five C's parts, right? Right, yes. So, well, you can build almost anything that your imagination and your skills allow you to know you can build any any type of shelter you can carve spoons you can build you can craft your own utensils you can carve a slingshot a walking stick i recently made made a slingshot and a walking stick and i carved a like a magician face on on my i have a i have a, a post on on instagram it was really fun to do. I made a, a whistle out of willow. Uh, yeah, you can make a hobo stick to to fish, uh, a fishing rod. 
I mean, you can build almost anything. There's this guy uh, I really admire. It's called uh, Simple Woodsman. Mm-hmm. He's from Denmark, and he's like the his creations are just insane. He's just a master builder. Is he on That's Instagram? Right. Yeah, for sure. He's Sim- simple, simple, simple Woodsman. Okay. Well, his well, name is Johnny. He's from Denmark. Okay. He's just, uh, I admire him so much. And there's this other guy, Bushcraft Kelso. He's also just so clever and they, they build this, they, they're just so imaginative and they, 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 they build this amazing crafts all the time. They inspire me a lot. They're, they're great. Nice. Now, this is important information to know if you're going to go on alone because you are out in the wilderness on your own for an extended period of time. And even though you, you know, you're going to be using up some of your time you know, hunting for food or fishing or building your shelter, there's going to come a time where you're just alone with your thoughts and you're going to be thinking about uh, you know, what's back at home waiting for you or what kind of food you don't have available to you. You'll be thinking about uh, burgers and pizzas and, and whatever else. And that, that's, that's bad when you have those kind of thoughts on a loan because that makes you want to go home. And so I know a lot of these contestants, once they get set up out there, they, they uh, get started on a lot of bushcraft projects to keep their keep their hands busy and keep their their minds uh, just at the on the on the current task instead of thinking about you know what they don't have and it's been really helpful and useful for them to engage in that yeah definitely okay now speaking of alone uh, one of one of the one of the requirements is that they can only bring ten things with them out into the wilderness and the producers on a loan give them a list. I think it's a list of 40 items and they have to pick just 10 of those things to, to bring with them. So uh, Pedro, I'm going to put you on the spot here and we're going to pretend that you're going to, you're going to be going up to the Arctic circle to participate Ooh. in season eight of a loan. What 10 items are you bringing? I'm definitely bringing a knife, a stainless steel container. Okay. Uh, a tarp. Okay, that's three. I, I mean, I don't know about, much about the 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 like what you are allowed to bring. I don't know if you can bring a tent to alone. I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't the... seen. A, I haven't seen a tent. I've seen tarps. I think they require them to kind of build their own bushcraft shelter. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I will a knife, a steel, a stainless steel container, a tarp, a ferro rod. Okay. Or four. Yeah. Uh, a net. What what kind of a net? A gill net. Yeah, for fishing. Okay. Yep. Um, I would bring. Uh, um, um, it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that'd be your top five. That would be my top five. Okay. Yeah. So ten of ten of the we had ten contestants on this past season of Alone. Nine of the ten brought a bow, bow and arrow. Definitely. Do you, I mean, do you I don't have, know. I don't know how to. I I would need to learn first. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had bow and arrow skills. No, not at all. Yeah, saw a lot of gill nets. Saw a lot of axes. Um, of course, the. I don't know if you rod. can bring a knife and an axe. Yeah. Yep. I've seen both of those too. Maybe I, I'll 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 throw in an axe as well. Okay. A fer a ferro rod. Um. Uh, what else is? I will bring my stove. I would bring. Oh, you got me there. <laughs> okay. What we'll do is we'll we'll give you some time to think about this, and you can, you can put it in writing, and we'll we'll include it on the Instagram post. That sounds amazing. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, there's it's a, yeah, they probably spent a few days thinking what they will. Oh, do. absolutely. Yeah, it's not like someone some what random, they would bring. 
some random podcaster puts you on the spot and says, here, pick, pick real quick. They, they have, they have a little bit of time to think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the Arctic circle. I mean, I, I've never even been there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what, speaking of that, what is the coldest temperature that you have camped in? Um, probably not, not too cold. Uh, maybe, sorry, I'm going to have to say it in Celsius. Okay. But maybe minus three, minus four Celsius. Okay. So I'm thinking that that is probably about uh, 22, 23 degrees, right? Because zero, zero degrees Celsius is 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you were minus two or three, I think it's so it's probably about 25 degrees. Yeah, I've, I've camped in that as well. And you say it's not, not too cold. That, that's pretty cold. I was cold that, that night. Yeah, I mean, compared with winter camping with hot tents and everything, it's... Yeah, okay. It's not that... Yeah, it's minus three Celsius is 26 Fahrenheit. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't too far off. Yeah, no, you were, you were on the right track. Okay. Hey, tell, you mentioned, you mentioned Scandinavia but, earlier. Let's, let's hear about Iceland. What, what was so great about Iceland? Uh, Iceland was so, so uh, amazing. I mean, the moment you step out of the, of the airport, you're like on a, on a whole other planet. It's just overwhelming the landscapes that it's just i mean and i mean it was my first time seeing uh that that kind of landscape i mean just we we started off going to the uh, we we were for six days on iceland we started going uh what what, what we did was we 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 stayed at, a, at an airbnb in reykjavik and uh it it was on on uh, uh end of november starting december so it, the 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 days were really short by then mm-hmm. so we ha- we had the the light hours were were very limited so we had to make it count really good so we stayed at a at an airbnb on reykjavik and then we started to the southeast we went to the we 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 woke up uh, every day really early and drive through before the the sun went went out, so that we 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 spend the the driving hours by night time and not waste them light right on the so we 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 woke up at five a.m. every day and start driving. So what we did was uh, we went to the southeast first. We went to the what we wanted to see first was uh the glacier lagoon and the the the, the diamond beach is what mm-hmm. the, they call them joklus joklusarian i don't remember the name but it's it's about a 5 hour drive from the cake so we drove the first day we drove all the way through there and then from there we started uh uh starting uh, our our trip like what 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 we are sorry our our I would say that our goal was to to start with the with the most further uh, uh, thing we wanted to see, so that if we missed something on our way back, it would be much closer the next day from Reykjavik. Good idea. So that that was like our strategy. Mm-hmm. So we because when when you, when you're there, you just want to stay there, and you don't know for how long you're gonna be there. So. We started at the at the glacier lagoon and and we working up our way back to Reykjavik. We visited some waterfalls. We went to the Skaftafell National Park to to hike. We went uh, up on a glacier. It, it's it's re- impressive. I mean, 
the, the, the photos don't don't make justice to the to the real beauty and then um, we we spent two days uh, traveling around the southeast and then our main goal was to go hunting for the northern lights but what people recommend is that don't build your trip around the northern lights because you might not see them it can be disappointing sure because it it, it really is a matter of luck so we just uh, we went all the way north to 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 go see the 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 northern lights we went to the we rented a again an airbnb it was in the middle of of nowhere it was a a, a horse farm and uh, and uh, we 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 stayed there for a night to see if we if we could if we could see the the, the northern lights everything we went uh, during the day we went to the to the most northern town of Iceland, it's it's called Skagafjordur. I don't know if you if you saw if you've seen the the there's this show in Netflix called Trapped. No, I haven't it's, seen uh, that. It's awesome. It's if you if you like the genre Nordic noir, uh-huh. like criminal Nordic. It, yes, you I have do. To see it. it's, okay. it's it's Trapped. Trapped. Okay. It, it's the farthest farthest north town of Iceland, and we went there to just to. To visit before going up, going to back to the to the Airbnb to to see the the Northern Lights. So every, everything was perfect, clear sky, freezing temperature. I mean, it was freezing. We were like minus sixteen Celsius, uh-huh. and it was end of November. And don't keep us in suspense, Pedro. Did you see the Northern Lights or not? <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> so so yeah, everything was perfect, clear sky. Uh, freezing temperature no light whatsoever oh. we were in the middle of of nowhere and no northern lights we we did, uh, we, we saw like a little bit of a glimpse but really really far away and we were like oh man i mean we we, we didn't see them that that night well so you know you know what that we, means we, that means that you have to go back there for your third anniversary no nah, but wait for it wait for okay it. oh we there's more see, okay we go did ahead. see them so <laughs> we we still uh, at, at the next day we 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 woke up really early and start start our drive back to Reykjavik. We visited uh, some geysers. We visited a secret lagoon. Uh, we we bathed in it. It was delicious. The how do you say the? I was gonna say onsen, but no, that's the Japanese. The the well, it's like thermal water. The, okay, yeah, hot springs. Hot springs, yeah. It's yeah. like a and. And then, yeah, we, 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 we made it all the way to, to Reykjavik. And then on our last night on, on Reykjavik, we went to the city to have a dinner and we finished dinner. And we, we, were, we, had, we had this app that monitors the, the Northern Lights. So we were like, yeah, just having dinner, monitoring and like, uh, maybe we, after dinner we go drive outside the city and maybe, maybe we can catch them. Uh-huh. And yeah, so we, we finished dinner and we were monitoring and we were like, ah, they're happening right now. So we drove outside uh, Reykjavik to where the lighthouse is and there they were. Nice. Just a magnificent, a magnificent Northern Lights show on, on, our, on our last night, on the most unexpected time and expected place, we, we, we got to see them. It, it was awesome. That's incredible. You're, you're, living, you're living your best life. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it it was really a. I'm never gonna forget that that trip. Nice. Now I know you also said you went to Mongolia. Was that for your first anniversary? No, that was actually when <laughs> when I gave my wife the 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 ring. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, I, I give it. It's, that's another really fun story. We, we actually did the Trans-Mongolian Railway. We went from St. Petersburg to Beijing by train. Uh, you are well-traveled. It's about 10,000 kilometers uh-huh. total. I, it's, I mean, it, from here to LA, it's about 1,300. Right. And so, so how, yeah, long, we, how long did that trip take? 10,000 kilometers. All, a month. Yeah, I mean, if you if you make the 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 train on on a single without because we 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 hopped on and off the train on on different cities, mm-hmm. but if you make the the trip on a, on a one way, it takes I believe it takes like ten days or fifteen. Like wow, the, the that's whole. that's quite a trip. And where did you pop the question? In Mongolia. Yeah. 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 But, and. It's funny because we we started in in St. Petersburg and the trains just get more rustic when you start like going away from from the big cities. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if rustic is the right word. Like uh, yeah yeah it's, that's the right word yeah. Okay, but yeah, and sometimes you're I mean the the crossing the borders is 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 just crazy. You're you're stopped. You're I mean there were sometimes we were more than forty eight hours inside the train like without hopping off it's it's a just a great experience but yeah i was just super worried about the ring and because there was people always came because you could you could lock yourself in the in your cabinet Mm -hmm. but the 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 people who work on on the train can can open it every anytime they want to like check for documents or or check if you need anything or for so there's sometimes I was just sleeping and someone someone came in and I was just grabbed my backpack with with the ring. My wife would have said, "Ah, oh, what what's happening to this great crazy guy? He just goes for the for the backpack every time someone comes in." So yeah, it it, it was it, it it was it was really fun. We we crossed all the way through Siberia. We went to Lake Baikal, is the world's deepest and largest freshwater yeah. lake, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, we stopped about five or six cities in in Russia, and then Ulan Ude, that's right at the border from Mongolia and Russia. That's the the, the last destination in Russia, and then you cross to, to to Mongolia. We were just three days in Mongolia. Two of them we 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 spent them at a national park called Terelj, and we stayed there in the in the typical girl yurts with a nomadic family. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's where I, I popped the question. <laughs> I, I tell you what, Pedro, when I grow up, I want to be you. You, you, uh, you pop the question uh, uh, in the middle of a, a 10,000 kilometer railway trip through uh, Russia and China and, and Mongolia. Uh, you take your second, your second anniversary trip to Scandinavia for a month and you're living the bushcraft life. I, I am so envious. That is incredible. Thank you so much. I, I'm very, I really appreciate that. And yeah, we, we've, we've been, we've been really lucky and that it's what makes us, it's what, uh, what we, that makes us passionate. I mean, we, we like to, 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 to travel around a lot and we, all of we, we save up everything we can. We have this crazy mentality of mm-hmm. saving for, for, for these trips mm-hmm. and yeah. It really, it's really been great. You know, you're on a, you're on a fantastic start uh, to be able to possibly be a future guest on uh, another podcast called Counting Countries. I interviewed uh, Rick Gazarian, also known as Global Gaz, uh, a couple of episodes ago, and he 
he is on a quest to visit all 193 countries in the world. And he, his podcast is devoted. Yeah. His podcast is devoted to interviewing folks who have done that and uh, just kind of t- hearing about their stories and, and how they went, went about getting to every single one. Yeah. I'm not even close. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I think I mean, not even no 10 or 15 at the most. <laughs> 109 is crazy. Yeah, you're a young guy. You've got a good start. I mean, second second well, anniversary yeah. already in Scandinavia. You're 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 good to go. Hopefully. All right. Well, hey, that brings us to that time of the episode where I warned you about it. What is your pro tip insight of the week? What can our listeners learn from you? It's going to make their next adventure even better. Well, uh, 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 as as I was saying, for 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 me, it's it's. Uh, it, this is it's still a, a learning process. I'm I'm really a, a, I have a long way to go in bushcraftology uh, experience and, and journey. And what what my pro tip would be that to be comfortable with with whatever works best for you. If you if you, if you like this knife or this axe and it fits you and, and you're happy with it and, and you can achieve what what you're going for with, with it, just be just use it and and get comfortable with it. And also you have to be really humble and, and patient. I think alone is it's a really good example, the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in this bushcraft and survival uh, uh, world, sometimes there's rain for seven weeks and you can put up a fire and you're like all, all impatient and losing your mind. And so it, it's, it's a very, you need to be humble and patient with, with what you're doing and you can, you can achieve great things. Fantastic. Thank you, Pedro. So there you have it. That's it. Episode 31 is in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Pedro and I want to thank him for joining us this week. Pedro, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? You can find me on Instagram as at bushcraftology and on my website, uh, www.bushcraftology.com. it's it's pretty new. I'm I'm starting to to upload some info on on my blog and gear uh, gear reviews uh, collaborations like this podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it put it put it up there. Uh, some other collaborations I've I've been doing with some amazing people. Bushcraft community. That's what I, I I really want to to make a big shout out to the bushcraft community on 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 Instagram. I, that besides the books and. And all the videos and everything I, I, I've been re, I've been uh, getting into on 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 the matter of bushcraft. What from from this community? If, if it, it's what, what from what I've learned the most. There's so just so, so many amazing people all over the world and Europe and the U.S. here in in Mexico and Latin America and Canada. Mm-hmm. So I want I want to make a, a big shout out to the bushcraft community and uh, yeah hopefully we, I can I can I can uh, bring more bushcraft into into Mexico it's literally not nothing at all and I can hopefully I can make uh, some workshops and and bring some some of these amazing people to to continue teaching us here and so we can learn all together in this journey. Fantastic. Do you have any friends or family you want to you want to give a shout out to? Uh, just my wife. She's, what's, her, uh, what's her name? My wife Jimena. Jimena. She's actually she's actually the 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 brains of bushcraftology <laughs> and the and the and the eye for design. 
she's my she's also the the photographer so a big shout out she's my she's my 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 life love and my best teammate that's great the other the other half of the of the duo very nice exactly she, she's a better half of bushcraftology <laughs> That's great. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Right, Pedro? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wrap from the John Freakin' Muir studio. Any final thoughts, Pedro? Uh, just, uh, I, I, there's there's these other guys who have, who inspired me a lot called the Muskoka Bros. They're 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 these three guys from Canada and they have a a really cool and inspirational uh, motto. They go and remember you just gotta get out there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a shout shout out to them and, and use it and tell people to just get out there and, and enjoy nature and learn from it. Respect. That's a perfect finish. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It even doesn't care if you're stuck on a Mongolian rail railway at a border crossing for 48 hours. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.